What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, <laughs> Hello and welcome to a Sunday evening edition of the Full Ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am by that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. That guy, I guess that's a, as good as an introduction as I can get. That know? guy down there, it was Marcellus Wiley. He's, he's that dude. Mm. I'm just that guy. Just just that guy. But, Are you um, a dude yeah, person? Because I'm not a dude person. I don't say dude in my personal life. It's never really been in my vernacular. Oh, drop something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um, I mean, I guess I once was. I guess I'm more of a man. More of a man kind of yeah. guy. You're a man but, guy uh, is what you're saying. I'm a man guy, yeah. Um, but I mean, I'll drop a good dude. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll drop a good dude. It, it's a, it all, it's all context, you know. I suppose I've just uh, like I just I don't think I've ever been that kind of person. Someone got on to me tonight about using the term Rolodex. Like, how old am I to be using that term? And like, it wasn't like I was actually talking about a literal one, but like, I was talking about um, the context of just being like, yeah, like uh, it's in my Rolodex. And they were like, how old are you to be uttering that phrase? I don't think that's a, an old person thing. Do you do you ever use the expression, it's in my Rolodex? I do not use that expression. <laughs> that is definitely a, a throwback right there. And yeah, I feel like the dude, dudes kind of change like as a sports term. You know, like, oh, they got dudes on their yeah. team. So I don't know. It, everything, language is always uh, fluid, you know, always changing. Always changing. Um, how was your new year, Matt Green? Uh, it was excellent, man. Um, me and uh, me and Tori kept it pretty low key. Uh, just just hung out, made a, a excellent steak dinner, mm. and uh, honestly, we were both about falling asleep around eight thirty nine. <laughs> then we caught a second win there. You know, we uh, we made it to New Year's. So, but you but how about it. yourself? You made it. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, New Year's was uh, New Year's was cool. Um, New Year's was low-key like you plans fell through um but new year's day was a lot of fun and this weekend was great because my parents came up and we went to uh the ut game last night which did not go in ut's favor because we can't have nice things um when i'm involved with ut stuff but um yeah it was it was it was very pleasant um it was a very good weekend and um yeah it was it was good got a uh awesome ba- like a uh, biscuit um it was uh fried chicken and uh along with waffles some call it chicken and waffles matt green ah is this uh he sounds like you made a discovery yeah i made a discovery (laughs) (laughs) it turns out this chicken and waffles actually is pretty good together yeah it's a it's a staple it's so good like i was just like ah this needs to be a staple in my life so that was great um watch a lot of football obviously watch the playoff um and just what happened on Friday we'll get to is 
really fascinating and where we're going and just all kinds of uh, NFL. Well, I guess it is kind of NFL and college football news, but yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. Um, how did Zeus do? Did he make it to midnight? Oh yeah. Zeus is going strong, man. He's, uh, <laughs> always he's a party animal, party animal, party animal. And also my prediction was right that you would not send any Zeus content for social media in the past ah, week. That'll happen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Matt Green. Fool me once. Shame <laughs> on you. Fool me twice. What is the Michael? I, I've already forgotten the Michael Scott expression. It's I just think of the George Bush where he 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 freezes mid mid uh, <laughs> mid phrase. He's like, you fool me. You're not going to fool me again. No, but I got to yeah. go back and watch that. Um, don't forget, folks, you can listen to the full ride on the Chase Homes podcast during the normal season every Sunday and Thursday. Um, I have some exciting stuff that we'll talk about how we're going to do this show on Thursdays going forward with the off season, because we will ultimately, once, uh, this all wraps up with the college football season, unfortunately move to one a week, um, that, uh, yeah, but, um, go check out chasehousepodcast.com. Follow Matt at Matt underscore W underscore green. Follow myself at chase double underscore Thomas. Um, leave us a rating, five-star rating and a review on Apple podcast. Just type in chase House podcast. If you're not an Apple podcast listener, if you've got an iPhone, just go ahead and do it. Um, helps the show continue to grow. And, uh, like I mentioned last week, some exciting news to share about the future of the podcast and where we're going and, um, what's next in 2021. I'm very excited about the next step, um, that I'm very, you know, I've said it a lot, very excited to share that news with you all. Um, Matt, how did uh how did you plan out your college football watching this past week? Did you were you able to get everything in? Did you did you have the strength and the the fortitude to get through Texas A&M and North Carolina following a a full night of playoff action? Oh, without a doubt, man. I feel like I was I got so much uh, college football there on the first. I feel like I was just, I was still craving a little bit on on the second, but um. Yeah, I feel like the first as a Georgia fan worked out perfectly for me. You know, I got got to see my team right there at noon, and then you get the two playoff games back to back. It's just basically ten straight hours of uh, college football, which is what I'm all about. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the Georgia game we'll get to just uh, just a wow game, and that was another thing I got to watch that with my parents on Friday, so that was cool. Um, we got to start with the news this week. Um, Tom Herman fired by the University of Texas. Um, Crystal Gonti had a really weird um, statement about Herman a few weeks back, if you remember in early December, about the future of his status uh, at UT. And it was essentially, he is our coach. Not that he will be our coach in the future, but that he is our current football head coach, which, breaking news, folks. Um, It's like the office. It is your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) that's essentially what it was um they quickly move on so clearly they they knew that sark was interested and they there was some agent talking would be my suspicion there and they were like yeah this is this is happening so we're getting uh we're getting sark and sark's trying to that's that's the way you gotta do it it's like if you're gonna you know fire somebody at least have the next move ready it's the the school just looks so unprofessional when you when this has to go on weeks and weeks and hear rumors about who's taking what and who, who are they interested in, who are they not interested. It's like you heard Herman was fired. I almost heard Sarkeesian was hired before I heard Herman was fired. It was just, it was that quick. And there's obviously a little going back and forth if Sarkeesian was or wasn't. But uh, in the end, I think this is an excellent hire for Texas. I think 
Sarkeesian. It's like Alabama really is like uh, coach rehab. You know, you just, <laughs> yeah, you get get on the get it. On. You're struggling a little bit. Yeah, you know, go back to Alabama. He'll uh, he'll set you straight. Get you another job. Get you another coordinator, a head coaching job. So uh, yeah, and that's what he's done. I think it's an excellent hire. And and Tom Herman. 32 and 18 and four years at Texas wasn't terrible. I don't know. might be a quick trigger, but um, yeah, I feel like if, uh, if Sarkeesian, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Sarkeesian in this job? I think Sark is a better head coach than Lane Kiffin. And I think what Sark has done with this offense is just kind of built on what Kiffin did well and it's doing it even better. Um, I like Lane and I think they're both brilliant offensive minds. They're actually really close. There's a really good piece on ESPN about just how close they are, but they're also wired completely differently. Like Sark is just like super like intense all the time. And he is a very in your face, very, um, work, work, work. And Kiffin is not really that guy. So that's why they really bonded at USC when they were in their early twenties and stuff. Um, they were just like, I don't know. They're just very, they're very different. So Sark did really great work revitalizing that Washington program. We all remember the Chris Peterson portion of it, but um, early on those were Sark players and he was recruiting really well and was getting Washington back out of a bad spot. And uh, I think he actually would have been pretty solid at USC long-term um, if those unfortunate uh, things did not come down the pike for him. And it seems like he is um, a lot better now than he was then. And I'm happy for him. And hope for the best there and continued success there on that front with his personal stuff. But um, he's a brilliant offensive mind and he's also an excellent recruiter. We know that. And I think all of that can be true. And I still am just like, got to see it. This Texas job, we thought Tom Herman made a lot of sense. We thought um, Charlie strong at the time made a lot of sense. They both had a lot of success before coming to Texas. Um, Texas is a complicated job. I talked to Ian Boyd of inside Texas a few weeks back and we were talking about like who the names could be and like, all this kind of stuff. Like Sark didn't really come up on the radar. And what made Mac Brown so good at Texas for so long is he's just the CEO coach. And that's kind of what you have to be because you are dealing with so many different off the field stuff in Austin that it's not all about just what you do with the product, but it's an easy job. And when I say easy, I don't mean easy with dealing with the boosters and all that kind of stuff, but like you're in a recruiting hotbed. They had the, a blue chip ratio that is good enough to win a national title. This is not a rebuild. They can immediately contend with the right coaching staff. They, they can't like, it's just the talent is there. They have five stars and four stars everywhere that people in Texas want to play for Texas. You just have to give them a reason to play for Texas. Um, Jimbo has seized on that and Jimbo's done a really great job. But Texas is still Texas and AM still AM. There's no excuse for Texas not to be a perennial top five, top 10 program. There's just not. You have no excuses. USC is the same way. USC, there's no excuse. Living in Southern California, the players in that area, going to school there, it sells itself. There's no, absolutely no reason that their expectation should not be top five, at worst, top eight, top nine every single season. That is a realistic expectation. For these two schools and Sark now being a head coach at USC and Texas. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. He's used to this already. Um, he's been great at Bama. He's probably evolved a lot as a person, but like Texas is hard and it's clearly a lot harder than we've all thought with everything that goes into it because it's not just about the talent. And if it was, Texas would still be going 10 and 2, 11 and 1. 
having some national title. Like they would be in the playoff at this point, but they haven't been even with playoff uh, a playoff capable roster. So I uh, I don't know. I, it's a wait and see thing for me with Texas. Do I yeah, think Texas, it's a, yeah? They're in a kind of a weird position because they obviously are that tradition, you know, that they, you know, the but it's not the is... tradition like other schools like Notre Dame, where it's like, no, 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 Texas is in a recruiting hotbed. Like it's not Nebraska. Nebraska had a tradition of winning, but guess what? You can't. They don't. The, the recruiting is just not there. That's true. I mean, the they're definitely in a recruiting hotbed, but in terms of just recent success, you know, it's all of their cachet is based on on their past reputation. You know what I mean? Like they have. They've had some good teams, like they went to the national title game in '09, but you know that's that's 11 years ago that they were really like truly nationally relevant, you know. So I think this is imperative that Texas get this higher right because like Charlie Strong, he had a losing record in three years, you know. So that's understandable. I feel like he's still got a short leash, but three years of losing record, like you can't do that. But Tom Herman. Like this is a short season, so this team what seven and three this year. It's like if this is a full season, do they go ten and three? And do, do you now feel better about it? Because you know it, it it's a you got thirty five wins now in four seasons. Like he wasn't doing poorly, so he wasn't getting Texas to where we think all think Texas should be. But if, you know if Sarkeesian doesn't get you know if he's not successful for whatever reason it could start to be a black cloud over this job that, you know, it's just a revolving door over there. You got to win a championship in, in three years or else you're on the hot seat. But and that's I, how it should be that there's too much talent. If you are in the blue chip ratio and you are the university of Texas head coach, I think it's fair for the boosters and that athletic department to be like, no, you need to be in the playoffs once every it's other year. It's just not fair for anybody to be in that situation. You They're know, it's like if you judge, it's fine. They're, if the you judge hot, Kirby yeah. Smart for the last three years, you're just like, oh, you know what? No conference titles, no playoff appearances. You're doing awful. Like this, it's not awful. No, 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 no. The expectations are different. It's okay Obviously, at certain places to have different expectations. I don't think that's wrong. Of course, and. And th- that obviously makes sense, but and I'm obviously Georgia's been better than Texas over the last three years, but I just I think it's you're getting in a slippery it's a slippery slope because they're they're not they they need to take a step back and and realize they're not what they once were, and if you want to be that, like it takes some patience. Like if you look I don't at Michigan. So. Like they're basically Michigan right now. No, like, Michigan doesn't have the players. Look at the blue chip. I mean, I disagree. I mean, Michigan's recruited just as well as Texas. No. Like, but I'm just also, saying, in, in terms of being in a conference that's just dominated by one other team, like, yeah, that right. might be your main rival, and you know, you can go back and forth with them. But they own this conference, and they have mm-hmm. for a solid decade. Yeah, or for so. sure. So they're to automatically kind of not be the the guy the big man on campus in your conference like texas isn't where they once were and so you gotta be patient get the right guy in there let him do his thing because it seems like texas is almost like the pressure it can almost just you know work against itself for texas it's like it's it's the pressure is a privilege you know Kirby well Smart i mean that's loves, the yankees thing where it's that. like do you want the yankees job well guess what do you want to win we have more resources than everybody you should win the yankees well, having pro sports yes. you know pro sports are different though because the yankees rosters got championship players but on, that's so what texas has have you looked but at the roster hasn't, I mean, sam ellinger like, is good enough to be a playoff quarterback he should be in the playoff the fact that he went four years without ever being in a college playoff game is insane Look, I mean, yeah, Texas gets big-time players, but it's not like they've 
been you know a top three recruiting class or you know it's not like they're getting the elite of the elite but they're losing those guys to a&m like the what's separating them from number eight to number three is the coaching staff and not recruiting well enough to be in that number three spot there's no excuse that a&m's not recruiting them there's just not yeah i mean i think it's uh it has a lot the sec has a lot to do with it you know that's a big uh you know thing texas a&m has going for them now but but yeah, I think it's it's something about Texas. It's like uh, I don't know. It's like a, such an elitist yeah. kind of view. like they just kind of turn their nose up on who they should be. And it's like, no, you got to just let a guy come in here and and build a program because that's what it's going to take. And when you when you haven't, I mean, is is that their last conference title when Colt McCoy? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was like seven years ago. No, have they won a conference title since Colt McCoy? That was two thousand nine when they yes, lost to Bama. They have not Rose. won a conference title I think since Mac Brown. So I mean that's you got to reevaluate and like change what the what the standards are. Like not that you're not going for national championships anymore, but maybe it's it's not 3 years and get out of here. Like I feel like Tom Herman in my opinion deserved at least another year because I feel like Texas was a was a solid team this year. Like I mean they weren't great, but like they who they lose to Oklahoma, Iowa State and one one other game. They had but, a bad loss. Who did, who was their bad loss? They always have a bad loss. Um, I don't know. Yeah, right of course. But um, I also I will know. tell you about Herman. Based on who I talked to about this, he was not the most liked person in Austin. That's true, and that's so that that is yeah, something that, that another, uh, has to be factored in for sure. So I would just say that Herman did not make a lot of friends. It seems like based on what I've what I've heard. Um, their loss was a uh, TCU. Okay, yeah, and TCU stinks. Um, so, yeah, I think Sark taking this job is interesting. I'm interested to see where Alabama goes uh, to replace him. Um, do they promote from within? What do they do there? Um, who's the rehab hire they get uh, to replace uh, Sark? Who knows? Oh, man, that's a good question. Is it? Because they went Kiffin. They I don't know if they get Gus Malzahn to come in there. Dude, no, Gus would be wild. That would just... If it wasn't just such a ridiculously different offense, it yeah. would be perfect, honestly. But I don't know. I can't. Uh, there's, there's someone just Adam lost Gates. a job in the NFL. Yeah, there you go. Somebody like that will come in and, dude, Adam uh, Gates would be perfect. Vitalize their career and become the head coach at uh at, at at Kansas State in three years. Auburn. We didn't talk about this last week. Um, they hired Boise State head coach Brian Harson. Um. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? Because I love the hire. I think there are some people who were a little bit anxious about it, but like if the alternative is Kevin Steele or like Hugh Freeze, I'm like, no, slam dunk, nailed it. Like Hugh Freeze seemed like the obvious one out of the gate, like very Auburn-y, especially with Bruce Pearl running the basketball program. But like Brian Harson, like that's a great swing. Like everyone associates Dan Hawkins in Colorado, but I'm like, eh, Colorado's a hard job. I don't know, whatever. Chris Peterson, like if you're, if you're going after somebody in that mold, and it's like he has coached in different conferences. It's not like he's a Boise lifer. Um, I love this idea of him. He was already anxious at Boise. He didn't like the in the Mountain West deal. He didn't like being in that conference anymore. He wanted to get out, and now he gets to play big boy football. And I think he's going to recruit. Like He recruited really well at Boise. He was the first guy in on Zach Wilson. I think he's got a really great eye for talent. Um I think it's an exciting outside the box hire for Auburn. And I think more teams should do this. And I, I commend programs that are like, 
it might flame out. It might flame out spectacularly. Or, you know, it might be awesome because, like, it does get old just every SEC team hiring former Saban assistants and stuff like that. Like, that's really boring. I like that Harzen is kind of a wild card, and I have no idea what he's going to be as that coach in the SEC. I just, I'm excited to see it. First of all, I knew you were going to say <laughs> you loved this hire because I feel like everyone else is killing it. You're like, no, this is a great hire. You know, people not respecting this, but um, I could just, I, you're just a contrarian. I knew it, but, um, but yeah, I think you're right. It seems like a lot of, not only do we get a lot of retreads, but we get like, oh, he was on his staff and he played here. So yeah. now he gets to, you know, come back, bring him. So I think that for, for that reason, you know, oh, he used to coach in the SEC and he's a sexy name. Like, for that reason, that's what everyone was expecting of Auburn. And like you said, that's like kind of the most Auburn thing to do. And maybe it's best for Auburn that they, you know, the George Costanza, just go against whatever you were going to do. Yeah. Uh, whatever you would normally logically do. But I, it definitely seemed like it came out of left field. But I mean, yeah, you look at the track record and he's been at Boise State for a while. And obviously, you know, Chris Peterson built that program, but. He's been there long enough that he's kept it, you know, going to maybe not the standard that Boise that uh, Chris Peterson had him at, but Boise State's still a you know ten eleven win team every year. So, uh, it, yeah, it's a uh, it's not the the big name we were expecting, but you know that might be that might be a good thing. I think he qualifies as a big name. Like getting the Boise coach is a big name. I think that's the- well, in just terms of how many SEC fans have ever heard of this guy's name before he got the Auburn job you know what I mean not like Hugh Freeze or like wanting to get Lane Kiffin or something like that you know something crazy Tennessee fans might like revolt if Kalani Sataki got the like the BYU head coach got the UT job next year they'd be like whoa who is this guy it's like this dude just almost went undefeated with BYU this year like are are you really upset just because he put like Mount West guy like no I would I would love a hire like that um I don't know I for sure I love this, and I, they might not know his name, but if they were like, "This is the BYU coach," you're like, "Oh, yeah, nice. They've been they've been good. They beat they beat Tennessee, right? A yeah, years back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, we've seen him. He's real good. Um, but we'll see. It's a huge wild card. I'm not going to say that it's going to be a slam dunk that he's going to win titles that he's going to beat Saban as many times as Gus Malzahn did, but. I do appreciate teams thinking outside the box. It's always fun. Yeah, I do wonder about the recruiting because it's like that's the lifeblood of SEC football, you know, and he's he's a Boise State guy. So I think though his one of their job, uh, head coaching job was Arkansas State. So Well, you know, have you seen who he's targeting? But, uh, no, who's that? Del McGee to join his staff. Oh, that would, uh, that would be a great hire. Del McGee is uh, – George running back coach is like – probably the best one of the best uh recruiters in all of college football so that would be and he specifically he used to coach he used to be the head coach at uh, carver in columbus which is down there like what 30 minutes from oh did he really yeah like 30 minutes from auburn or so mm-hmm. so he yeah he recruits that area really well i mean he recruits all of the state of georgia really but so this yeah, would that'd be a big, big gain for auburn if they were to pry him away yeah you'll see uh you'll see del mcgee be the assistant head coach and running backs coach or something next year to, for Georgia to keep him, I guess. Yeah. He's getting a promotion. If he's staying some kind but, of title change. Also good guy wearing the James Cook Jersey for his, his late father. Um, in that game, right. On Friday. It wasn't flattering on him, but it doesn't matter. That's why <laughs> part of the reason you liked it more. Yeah. That was awesome that, uh, that he did that for, 
James Cook and uh, Dalvin Cook's dad passing away. What well, was only like 46 years old, 48 or something. Uh, really, real freak thing that happened. Yeah. Um, thoughts and prayers to the Cook family. Um, Urban Meyer is apparently going back to the NFL and taking the Jaguars job and coaching uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's assembling a staff. Um, I think this is this came from uh, Rappaport, right? NFL. This isn't. This isn't final, is it? It's not final, but that's the the strong rumor is that he is expected to be the next Jaguars head coach once they fire Doug Marone because they currently have a head coach. Yeah, that it seems like the uh, the writing is on the wall. I and honestly, Urban, you might as well do it. Like I feel like personally, I don't think it's it might not be the best decision. I feel like going from like. Texas USC, like in revitalizing one of those big uh, college sleeping giants would, would be the better move just because he's such a good recruiter and he's so good in the college game. But I imagine because he's been so good in the college game, he probably wants to see if uh, if he can cut it in the NFL. What if he just stayed retired? Urban, you have Urban nothing to prove. That, Stay home. You know, he's only got like five years. Like he's not that young, he's but he's like just like... Right? But was that? Is he? I think he's fifty six, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he is. So he's probably only got like five years before he just kind of gets burnt out again. But you know, who knows? Like, give it a give it a roll, see what happens. And honestly, like his biggest, like the his biggest issue, I would say, as a college coach, like he had very few flaws, was probably just motivating teams week in and week out. Like you saw it at Florida and Ohio State. You know, they'd have that couple games a year where they just come out sleepwalking sometimes they pull it out sometimes they get upset but uh nfl players it's like the money motivates them and they don't you don't need to motivate these grown men so uh maybe urban maybe uh his uh his style could work in the nfl yeah we'll we'll have to see what happens there um i don't know i i have no thoughts until it actually happens and what the staff looks like but i do not like any of that um dan mullen also reportedly getting an nfl look i I don't buy this at all. I don't buy the Mullen stuff at all. I buy the Pat Fitzgerald stuff at Northwestern strongly, and I think he'll he will get some strong looks from like Chicago or if that becomes open. Or I'm trying to think of another obvious. Like I don't think he's getting an Atlanta Falcon look. I don't think that's a that's a thing. But uh, I I wonder about Dan Mullen in the NFL though, because like recruiting we always talk about is the worst part of his of him as a college coach you know yeah. so if he doesn't have to recruit like he's proven he's an excellent play caller like he he knows how to coach offense i wonder he's just such a goober you know <laughs> what i mean i just feel like grown men like wouldn't respect him i don't know that that's true but i don't know he i i feel like he might he might get coaching the nfl i i who, who knows really like cliff kingsbury is Looking to be a pretty good NFL coach, you know. Well, so, Kingsbury's probably getting fired next year, so I wouldn't go that far. But um, oh, they've been—I mean, they've been borderline. They're a contender, kind of right where they yeah. have like seven, eight wins. Contender? Uh, Did you just put them in the contender? They're missing the playoffs. First year? It's his first year, right? It's his second year. Okay, I mean, NFL coaches who knows but dan mullen is is proven a lot more at the college level than uh, cliff kingsbury ever did that's all i'm saying yeah for sure so who knows he could get a job i i just i don't i think he'll he'll uh he'll flop the interview you know <laughs> i think he'll be like yo he's got a great resume but uh we weren't feeling him <laughs> who, who, who you got next 
he just he can't help himself um would you like to talk about any of his post game uh post uh oklahoma loss quotes oh my god man it's just it's just the latest like i don't know why he always does this to himself like it because honestly i i that was one of the games I know SEC fans always say the games they lose, are, oh, they weren't motivated or whatever. You know, it's the classic SEC excuse. But, like, there was a couple of the games in bowl season where you could be like, there's too many opt-outs. Like, the result of this game, it's not really relevant to how good these teams were. You know what I mean? And that's how that Florida-Oklahoma game was. Like, if Florida's losing their their top four receivers, including, like, Pitts and Tony or maybe their best two players on their team outside of Trask, and then, like, three of their, like, four best players on defense. Like, Florida was losing so much. It's, like, it's it's just normal to be like, yeah, we were pretty shorthanded, uh, you know. But the guys we had, they they, they fought their tails off. And, you know, we, we got we got beat pretty bad today. Oklahoma was a lot better than us. But it's just like, oh, well, uh, we didn't even have to play the game. We, we like, we could have chosen not to play. We didn't have that. We didn't have enough players. But, uh but, you know, we wanted to because it's like the 2020 team played their last game 11 days ago. It's like, who says stuff like that, man? Let's like, oh, it's just Dan Mullen just always putting his foot in his mouth. I just I just don't get it. I I just him and Dabo, not a great week for those two. Um, <laughs> and I can't say that I, I don't I don't not love it because I did. And Dabo getting wrecked was my favorite development um of the week for sure um well you want to yeah you want to get into it ohio state clemson might as well bulletin board material well you have before we get into that i guess this will lead into it um you have a strong take because we we very much disagree on the college football postseason i think you and i are on different sides of the fence when it comes to this thing so you have a case of expanding the playoff to eight or 12 teams correct Yes. Okay. I do. So lay out your plan. Lay out your case for expansion of the playoffs, Matt Green. Well, I think it's, expansion is inevitable just because these opt outs are just a bad look for the sport. You know what I mean? No one's blaming these dudes for like making a professional decision. I guess I do use the word dudes, by the way. <laughs> so no one's blaming these guys for making a professional decision. And, you know, I have one game left in my college career. I have the most important day of my life four months from now, I'm just going to prepare for that and try to make millions, you know, like no one's blaming these guys, but as college football fans, like it's just terrible because these are some of the best matchups we get all year. Texas A&M, North Carolina, like that's a great matchup that I was looking forward to seeing. And like without North Carolina's two best running backs, the game just loses a lot, you know, especially Florida, Oklahoma. That should have been a, a great, a great game. That should have been a 55, 52 type of game. Um, if Florida has all their offensive players, but I digress. So you you have to try to save the, these bowl games. And I think that's the only way you can do it is really by expanding the playoffs and getting more teams involved, you know, kind of how we've seen baseball, the wild card expanding it. So more fan bases are interested, but the, the number one argument for expanding the playoff is that, Oh, well we already have all these blowouts in the semifinals. Anyway, why do we need eight teams in and I think that's because maybe we're not getting the right four teams to begin with. Like maybe five and six could have given a better effort than three and four or even two and four some years. Like it's just so important to get the right teams, at least in the in the semifinals. And I think if you expand it to eight teams, it's just 
like like if you look at this year, Notre Dame got in the playoff for beating Clemson, right? Like, I mean, they beat a pretty good North Carolina team, but they got in the playoff for beating Clemson. Clemson got in the playoff for beating Notre Dame. So it's like both of these teams lose by three touchdowns. Or I guess uh, Notre Dame lost by 17. It, it felt bigger than that. But both of, these, both of these teams lost handedly in the semifinals, and maybe neither of them was actually one of the four best teams. Like I'm not saying that Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia were better than Clemson and Notre Dame because there's no way of knowing. I'm not trying to be like a huge SEC homer or anything. But – with so few common opponents, it's like there's no way of proving that either of those teams are better. And if we if we at least get it to eight teams, then it's like we get we get that Notre Dame A and M matchup in the first round of the of the playoff, and then Notre Dame wins, and then you're not upset about Notre Dame being in the Final Four. But it's just getting all the way to the Final Four without having to prove it against an elite team, like right then and there, like in the playoff, it would just make everyone so much more satisfied. Like. My, my, my number one point is college football is the only sport where you play like 10% of the field in the sport, and then experts and fans think they know exactly who the best is. And we just need to take out as many opinions as possible because we know all the bias that goes into opinions. A lot of them is recruiting rankings, and, and some of the biases are, are legitimate. Like, I mean, someone like Cincinnati being undefeated – and place facing a two-loss Georgia team that was, you know, very shorthanded while they opt outs, and you know it was a great game, but but Georgia beat them, and Georgia's also the fourth best team in the SEC this year. So there's a reason these biases exist because lots of times they prove to be right, but there's just so sports are great because we don't know what's going to happen, and I feel like just just leave it, leave the experts' opinions out of it because it's only also the only sport. It's like we love to watch, look at power rankings and things like that throughout the season. This is the only sport where the power rankings like literally decide the postseason. So I think I would be down for an eight-team playoff. I'd also, if you want to keep that top four, give the top four teams a, a bye and then go to all go to twelve. Like that would also be sick. But I just anything to you're going to have to get more fan, uh, fan bases involved and. You're just going to have to have the automatic qualifiers for, for the major conferences and probably one group of five team, depending on, on how many uh, you choose to do with the playoff. But I think it's time for expansion. It just, we have to. I think your point about like removing opinions is an important one where like we, we can stop a lot of these talking heads from talking about this kind of stuff ad nauseum. And that is something that has driving me batshit crazy um this bowl season it's the same arguments the same conversations about all these different teams but um i think it would fix a lot of opt-outs but i also and this is something that i've posited to friends and family is that like the only way outside of paying players like that's one way is to give a financial incentive for players to play in bowl games like that is something where it's like hey playing in front of um x amount of people on a national stage like here's what you get for playing in uh, our university's bowl game like that is the only way i think at this point to save college bowl season because i'm very much concerned about where we're headed and i don't blame the players for opting out i just think the only way to get out of that and change that trend is to either pay them or remove the playoff because everything comes down to it those guys who opted out like all those georgia players who opted out how many of them would have played in the playoff game how many of them would have suited back up 
for a playoff game. When you make everything about this thing that only accounts for such a small portion of the college ball season and only a select few teams get in, it just destroys the sport because that's not what college ball is about. College ball is about everybody. College ball is about maction. College ball is about um, Saturday mornings. Like College ball is about Iowa being boring as shit. College football is about <laughs> Wisconsin never having a competent offense. Like That is what makes college football a beautiful thing. Pac-12 after dark, it's not the playoff. And so much of the oxygen surrounding the conversation is about the playoff now that yeah, I understand that like expanding the playoff would solve a lot of the problems of just like having the same four teams, which I think is a bigger problem than just having Texas A&M and versus um, Notre Dame. It's that, uh, guess what? You're going to still end up having the same group of teams because it's all about recruiting and they are going to out-recruit everybody. They're still going to be it. And it's going to hurt the sport when it's the same three or four teams every year. It just... Fans are going to be like, wow, it's really helpless for us to play. And if you're a casual cultural and you're like, why do I want to watch Alabama Clemson again? Like, what is what is the rationale for that? So even if you expand to eight, it's still going to wind up by and large um, with the same result. Because guess what? MLB just expanded the playoff system. Would you like to guess what seeds the two teams that made the World Series were this year? Uh, who's the Dodgers and the, the Rays? Rays? Two number the one, one seeds. Seed and the two, were the Rays the number one seed? Yes, they were. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Both. Number one seed. You expanded the playoff. More excitement. More fun. Guess what? The two best teams in baseball still found their way into the World Series. But that's great. But that's great because all these teams still felt like they had a shot to win it, and they did. But, you know, the, the cream rose to the top. And, the, the and best I think teams... that's what will always happen. So if you expand the playoff, the cream will still rise to the top. Bama will still beat you. Bama will still overrun you. Clemson will still overrun you. Ohio State will still overrun you. When Georgia is back clicking again, they will overrun you. This is... But, yeah. but those are a lot of teams you just named. And so if all those teams are getting in the playoff, like, you're going to see some amazing matchups. Like... Like, like last year, like that's the most important thing is the best teams will get to the final four and the national championship if you expand it to eight. So it's like, why don't we, why don't we just assure that we're, that cream is rising to the top? You know, like it's, it's just like Florida last year, like Florida lost to Georgia and LSU, like, and they gave LSU a game and you saw what LSU did to Clemson and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Like they beat them handedly for for all we know, Florida was better than Oklahoma or Clemson last year. And it's like if we get a playoff, like I'm not saying they were, but maybe Clemson's the two seed or and Florida's the seven seed and they beat them in the first round. It's like, oh, wow, like we didn't know as much as we thought we, we, we did. You know, it's that's the best part about sports. And I feel like college football is kind of robbing themselves of that by by just keeping it in this little club that only Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and Oklahoma are invited to. You know what I mean? Yeah, but this is my whole thing, is I'd rather them just have their one club outing, which is the college football BCS national title. Just give them one game, let them do that, let them have their fun, and bring back bowl season. Because bowl season I enjoyed more than the national championship anyway. Like, I enjoyed what bowl season was for a full month. I I don't like all the opt-outs, and I don't like seeing bowl season just destroyed because that is more important to me. The college football season as a whole is more important to me than the playoff. The playoff sucks. The game, like the Notre Dame Alabama game, sucked. And guess what? Ohio State Clemson got out of hand. That turned into blow up. That kind of sucked. Like it, 
it's just not good, and the sport is not better off for it. And it, I, it, if I could, those were not it, good games. Those were not good games this weekend. But do you I think feel Bama like... Cincinnati's going to be good? Do you think a lot of those games, if you expand the playoff, are still going to be good? I don't think See, so. See, but that's not the games that are as important. I don't think that eight one, like that number one or number two team, probably is clearly better than number seven and number eight. But I think that three six matchup, that four five matchup, like to you know to figure that out, like decided on the field who's actually better because there we just never know. You know what I mean? There's just a hundred different things that can happen in sports, and I feel like just having it something other than our regional bias and just like historical bias of a certain program, I feel like is, is a better way to decide. Well, who does Ohio state play Matt Green? Who do, who do they play? Like, they can't hang with them. Well, and see, and that's the biggest thing because it's so difficult to, to get the criteria for this final four with, with an eight, with an eight team. It's so much easier. You can punish Ohio state, for not having the resume, but they're still in the playoff and they still get to prove it on the field. It's like, cause the only way to judge teams is on the resume because it's just, everything else is just so subjective. So it's like, you could still punish, like maybe you wanted to make a point that they didn't deserve a top four seed. Cause they only played six games. It's like, okay, make them a five seed, make them a six seed. And they probably blow out the, the three or the four seed from what you saw them do at Clemson. So if we just decide everything on the field, everyone will just be so much more satisfied with the sport. And like, I'm not pushing for 16, but even 16 teams would be awesome. Like March Madness is like the greatest thing ever. Like we know that like the best team might not win every year, but when someone wins the NCAA basketball tournament, are you ever saying, yeah, but they weren't like really that good. It's like, no, they just won six games in a row. They beat all the other teams that beat all those other teams. It's like, you can't argue with the bracket. It's just, it's perfect. And it, it just, it's satisfying from a fan perspective. And I feel like that's, we gotta, we, we gotta do this for the fans. You know, it's like, we figure out a way that these bowl sponsors can, can get their money. However, however many games you want to do, but I feel like they got to expand. Like, the number of teams that win a national championship. Like Loyola Chicago, you know, they didn't have much of a chance to win a national championship when the, when the season started, but they did have a 1% chance to get there. And, and, and crazy things like that happen. And if, if college football was opened up and not to mention with the transfer portal, like parody is already, you know, going to get better in college football, just with the one-time transfers. If there's 16 teams making the playoff every year, like there's just that many more programs, like legitimate programs that you can go to that can get you to the NFL. Like right now, like these recruits come out that are from a recruit from Florida's comes out with his top eight. And I'm like, I can literally guess who seven of his top eight schools are. And I don't even know who this guy is yet. You know what I mean? It's the same schools over and over. So if, if, if there's 16 teams, it's just including more. Alabama's still going to get probably to the national championship a lot of times, but it's just, it's going to be more, so much more satisfying for the teams that at least, at least got to lose before someone told them that they weren't number one. Like I would just, I couldn't imagine being a diehard central Florida fan or, or Boise state or whoever has had an undefeated season in recent years. And just like, no, you're, you're like number seven. Great year though, but you're like number, yeah, maybe number six, but a great undefeated season. You guys are tried really hard. I suppose I just I don't know man I 
I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this front. Because I think if you Fair go, enough. if you expand, you got to take away games and you got to cut regular season games. And I don't think they want to do that either. And I think that's worse for the fans. That's more neutral site games and nobody wants that. Um, yeah, we got to get rid of the regular season neutral site game too. That that's, is, a- <laughs> yeah, that's a bad trend. That oh man, ball. it's, you just see this game in the middle of Houston that's 30% filled. It's just, uh, doesn't do it for me. No, uh, it's a bad idea and it should stop. Um, the actual games that happen on the field. You love the stuff that happens on the field, Matt Green. Um, yes, sir. Let's talk about Ohio State Clemson. Ohio State just blows out Clemson 49-28. That score is closer than it felt. Um, fields just uncork and bombs to uh octave and everybody and like this was the trey sermon coming out party like just full-on ezekiel elliott mode from him uh fields took some nasty shots in this game which is something to be concerned about if you're an ohio state fan going into bama um but that dude's a warrior and man this is can you remember a more like this is the most impressive ohio state win since they blew out bama right um yeah i'd say it's gotta be uh you're talking about the 2014 semifinal yeah i think it's gotta be because just for how much everyone was questioning this ohio state myself this ohio state team myself included like justin fields you know you know there's certain whispers that he might not even be worth a top 10 pick anymore like he was starting to slide down draft boards and I mean, I think he just solidified. I mean, and rightly so. He struggled and maybe two, against the two best teams they played this year and struggled for him because of how flawless he, he's been since he's been at Ohio State. But but this performance, I mean, just throwing the deep ball and, like you said, just taking hits. I, I mean, I'll, don't even get me started on the targeting call. Like, I mean, I understand <laughs> the guy's form, but he hit him in the in the rib cage. Like, I don't, I don't get that. But, but yeah, this is the – most impressed I've been with Justin Fields. Like, I mean, this guy's an NFL quarterback. I think you can clearly tell. And yeah, I mean, I just don't think anyone, any of us saw Clemson getting, uh, getting blown out like this. This is their, their lowest, it's the lowest rushing total of the season, uh, or second lowest rushing total of the season with 44 yards. And their, their lowest was the, the loss against Notre Dame in overtime. So that's the that's the recipe for shutting down this Clemson offense, and Ohio State did that. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, he looked good, but uh, Justin Fields, he looked better in this game. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's just one of those impressive things. This is something I was thinking about. Like, how much do you think Clemson was hurt from not having Tony Elliott when you watch this game? How much did you think, man, if they had Tony Elliott, this goes differently? Did you have that thought at all? I wondered that, but you know, I feel like that kind of thing's impossible yeah. to know. Like you, you just never know. So you, you imagine the continuity on this team. You know, three-year starter. Like he, he knows the offense, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you got a different guy calling the plays, that that can definitely in the biggest game of the season, that can definitely make an impact. Yeah. Well. It happened, and Ohio State will now meet Alabama in the national title game. Fields gets his revenge over Trevor Lawrence. Um, Alabama blows out Notre Dame 31-14. Notre Dame covers late in this game. It was a 19.5-point spread, so shout out to the Golden Domers on a on a great late cover. Um, Ian Book, not good. Um, 
Bama's defense, though, Clark Lee, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you're loving to see what happened there. Um, they did as well as they could have. Demonte Smith was still mostly unstoppable in this game. Uh, they got after Mac Jones a little bit. Najee Harris, solid. But, yeah, Notre Dame kept this close. And th- the biggest takeaway, it seems like, was that uh, Notre Dame did not get completely blown out. But um, it was not close. So this was a different kind of blowout where it's not in the point total. It was that you knew that there was no path to Notre Dame victory after the first quarter. I mean, we knew it coming in. But, um, yeah, I just think until Notre Dame solves their quarterback issues, they're they're not going to be able to compete with the Bamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States of the world. Because when you have a playoff with <sighs> Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle could have been in this game, obviously. Najee Harris, um, Mechie, everybody that uh, Bama can throw at you. And then you have Justin Fields, um, Sermon, Octavia, the just Clemson with Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, um, just guys everywhere. Powell. Um, Notre Dame doesn't have that. They recruit five-star tight ends all over the place. Their offense is built around the tight end, which, okay, bold strategy. It works mostly in the regular season, but um, it will not work when well, you're they playing. They had a pretty good running game this year, too. They did. They did. But their offense and their passing game is about their tight end. And they play like a pro-style game. They're It's just... Ian Book is solid. He's a solid C plus, B minus quarterback. But like that, my biggest takeaway with Notre Dame is that until they get a first round pick quarterback under center, they're not going to compete in these games. And I did like Brian Kelly after the game being like, "What do you want us to do?" And I don't blame him for this because it's got to be frustrating for him and his team. But like. Man, that's an amazing season that Tennessee fans would kill for their only losses to be Clemson and Alabama. Like, an amazing season for Notre Dame. They're just not that level. And until they solve the quarterback thing, which is a really hard thing, it's getting a five-star, four-star quarterback, getting their next Brady Quinn with the talent around them, then it's just not going to happen. And we should keep them out because they simply cannot score enough to win. They just can't. Yeah, I mean, I... I they gave a good fight in this game. Like it's, like you said, the Alabama didn't necessarily run away with this game. I mean, this is the low, lowest point total of the entire season. You know, thirty-one points. So they were obviously doing something right. They were able to run the ball enough to sustain some drives. Just they really just weren't able to score many points. But um, yeah, I I kind of feel for Notre Dame in this in this situation because there's just this narrative on just how how just illegitimate they are and that they don't belong on this stage and now that record is what 0 and 7 now and in the BCS era and BCS bowls or New Year's Six playoff games and so that exists you know they are 0 and 7 but it's it's not like they're just being put in these games only because they're Notre Dame and they're just, it's just some, you know, some corrupt system that's just putting a Notre Dame in here because of uh, TV ratings and everything. Like they, they've been a good team, but they're just losing to the best teams and pretty much everybody's losing to Clemson and Alabama. So I, I kind of feel for Notre Dame. I personally didn't think they, they deserve to be in the playoff this year, but it was just kind of based on, you know, getting blown out in the ACC championship in your season finale. Like, you just don't deserve to be in that Final Four. That's just my opinion. But to act like they're just just some phony team that ha- that just was 
least just miles better than you know that the SEC teams that didn't get in. Like I just don't I don't necessarily think that's true. So I do kind of feel for them, but it's it's just another uh, another loss in a big time game for Notre Dame. But great season. We should not um, overlook that. It's a great season for them, and um, they played who they had to play, and uh, they joined the conference. They didn't have to join, and they played football, played a full season. And it was a good season, um, one of the better Notre Dame but seasons. In before history. we move on, so this is kind of a off off the top of my head here. So Saban and Dabo are the, obviously the number one, number two best coaches in college football. Who was your number three? Who's the third best coach in college football to you? Just putting you on the spot. Because I think you could make a a very easy case that Brian Kelly might be the third best coach in college football. I mean, like there's so few coaches that have, have championships right now. Head coach, because I think as much as I dislike Dabo, he, he belongs in that conversation because he's just such a good CEO. Like he's just built maybe the best college football program outside of Saban in the last 10 years. Um. So yeah, it's Saban, Dabo, one, two. Ed Ordron? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of what, like, I just think you have to look at it as an, an entire product where like you're recruiting, how you manage your staff, how you hire, um, what you get out of your roster. Um, it's probably number three would be Ryan Day. It's still probably got to be Ryan Day. Mm, um, okay. Lincoln Riley four. I like we're just overlooking that he's just building a machine there, and they just keep winning Big Twelve titles. Like this year was a kind of forgettable Oklahoma team, and they just stroll through and win another Big nice. Twelve title. We won't get off on that tangent. I was just curious. I know I you don't Brian like Lincoln Kelly, Riley, but uh, Jimbo Kelly is probably in there too. Overlook. By the way, Jimbo I think belongs in the top be. five. Yeah, I, I honestly I'd probably put Brian Kelly three, uh, Kelly somewhere Jim, in there. Jimbo yeah. four and Kirby Smart five. I think I think Kirby still, Ryan Day still just in his what, second year. I, I just he's probably going to be there, but I, I still got to give him a couple more years. I just think we overlook how like they're like oh it's a new coach it's Ohio State it's like well we've seen bad coaches at premier programs all the time like it's not as easy as it seems of just like to step right in and follow. Urban it's Meyer. True. It's true, but Mark uh, Bob Stoops and Urban Meyer, like they left those programs like right at like for sure. Finely tuned machines, you know, like they were just ready to keep on rolling. Like they didn't have no one had to come in. Like no, Brian Kelly and and Kirby Smart had to come in and kind of rebuild a powerhouse program. You know, like Kirby Smart lesser than than uh, than Brian Kelly, but he had to get Georgia at a more championship level. And I think you can see how much more consistently they're competing in the top five and top 10 compared to the last years of Rick. But I don't want to get caught up on that. I just, I was curious uh, because Brian Kelly. Yeah, that's fair. We can, but uh, yeah, we can, you know, talk about Alabama. I mean, that's Bama's just going to, there's really not much to to say. They did what they were supposed to do. Devontae Smith was unguardable most of this game. Um, Yeah. They're just, they're they're gonna be great, and I cannot wait to see Ohio State versus Bama. I'm far more interested in that game than I would have been in Clemson Bama because I think Bama would have blown out this Clemson team. I think Ohio State it feels different with them, and I uh, they're healthy. And man, can you imagine the SEC homers 
if Ohio State were to win. It's like they don't count like the fake national champions. Like stop the count with Ohio State if they're up like forty five <laughs> to thirty five or something late in the fourth that it doesn't actually count because Bama played a full SEC schedule and Ohio State didn't. Like I don't think it's gonna go well if they they upset uh, Bama here. Have we seen an early spread? I will say as a as an SEC uh, as the SEC guy, if you will, no one no one's ever hating on Ohio State as much as they're hating on who Ohio State plays. You know what I mean? They they oh, they it's know. Only a six and a half point favorite, by the way. Bama's only a six and a half. Six and a half. Oh, I'm seeing eight on uh on ESPN. Bama was uh, six and a half. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, this this should be a good one. And honestly, you're right. Like this is this is gonna get us a better matchup than part what five of Clemson, Alabama. I don't I don't think we wanted to see that again. I uh I don't know. They were Clemson favored by nine going into Clemson, Ohio State. I want to say that sounds right. Yeah. So it, clearly they know that this is going to be a very close game, and I uh I am excited to see it. Um. Other bowl games that we've missed um, this last week, um, Matt. What do you What do you have? What uh, What games do you want to hit? Well, uh, I thought Georgia was an impressive win over Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati. the best defensive play of the of the bowl season so far. Which one was that? Azizo Jolari? No, 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 no. Um, who was it? Was it Campbell who had the block? Oh, uh, he, on that third and two at the end. Yes, that, that literally was, uh, saved Tyreek the game. Stevenson. Yeah, yes, yeah. That, that was, was a big time underrated. That was crazy. He came out like he left his man because he saw what was happening there, and just threw his hands up instinctively, and he he batted it down because that's a touchdown. If he doesn't make that jump, right, like that's it, and the game's over. Like I, I yeah, was just I blown mean, away. More importantly, it's a first down, and the game's over. But but yeah, I, and Tyreek Stevenson, he's the starting star in Georgia's defense, and. Without uh, two of their starting corners, he actually had to start at corner in this game. So I thought it was a big win just considering how many guys Georgia had out. But that's kind of what I was telling you. Like, even if Cincinnati won that game, like, you could obviously talk about, you know, however many players are missing. It wasn't, you know, too many. Like, Florida, like, you, we're not even going to see the same team. There's so many people missing. I thought... I wasn't going to play the motivation card because I thought it was big that someone like Jordan Davis was playing and Aziz Ojolari was predicted to be a projected to be a first round pick decides to play in this game. Like, and he had three sacks. Like he's the difference. Like Georgia probably doesn't win that game without Aziz Ojolari. So, and Georgia had eight sacks in the game. So I thought, uh, Cincinnati was a physical team all year and they, uh, they held Georgia's rushing yard to, uh, the second lowest rushing total of the, the entire season. And, I think that was the difference between Georgia at the start at the end of the season to the start of the season is that if you're holding them to 45 yards rushing, like there's no chance they're winning the game. But with JT Daniels, they actually have a vertical passing game. And JT Daniels wasn't he wasn't great in this game, but Georgia still made a lot of plays in the in the passing game. He, whole lot better than Stetson Bennett, that's for sure. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um Oklahoma, Florida feels like that happened six and a half weeks ago. Um, oh, you man, uh, Spencer Rattler really was quiet down the stretch here, but he was he was can't miss for Oklahoma. I think he was the second highest graded uh, quarterback for PFF this season. Um, Florida obviously missing a bunch of pieces. Uh, Dan Mullen after the game uh, just showing his ass a little bit more. 
um, saying, quote, the 2020 team played their last game 11 days ago. I, uh, I don't know. It, I don't have a strong takeaway from this because, look, like, it, as much of a nuisance as Dan Mullen can be, like, not having Pitts and Tony and that whole group probably decided this game. Like, it probably was enough. Like, does Oklahoma win by 35, or is this, like, going down to the wire and they just go back and forth? Like, I, I don't know. Oklahoma's a really good football team, and then blowing the doors off, bam, or <laughs> Florida was great. But, you know, I think it's a fair point that, like, Trask has so much continuity with Pitts and Tony and all those guys that um, losing them a couple days before this game, a couple weeks, excuse me, that, like, you know, hey, that uh, this was probably going to be the result against a very motivated good Oklahoma team. Yeah. And I, I wondered like, honestly, why Trask wasn't just opting out because for, for exactly what you saw, like if you're losing your top four receivers, like the continuity is just going to be so off. Like you're not going to be the best version of yourself. And you could tell that was by far the worst game Trask has played in his career. Like, I mean, one of those interceptions was just so uncharacteristic of the good decision-making he's made all year. So that was just, I, I've seen so much smack talk, you know, on Twitter, like, oh, I don't care how many players were out. Like, it wouldn't have been that big of a difference. But it's like, we have no way of knowing that. Like, it's, those are, Florida's offense was so good all year. Like, this was a bad matchup for Florida, like, if they were healthy, like, fully had all the players there. So, I uh, I really would have liked to see what would have happened, but... Yeah, I just you can't take too much away from this game, and other than just because Oklahoma just or Florida was just so shorthanded, and then you got Dan Mullen just putting his foot in his mouth anyway. But yeah, they, they this this is the the fourth time Florida has been blown uh, blown out by thirty points or more in the last five seasons, and that happened just once in the twenty five years before that. So I thought that was a pretty crazy stat. Where do you want to go next, Matt? Uh, next, let's go to the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, North Carolina. What are your thoughts about this one? Sam Howell doesn't uh, eat anything but chicken fingers. We found that out um, during this broadcast. Did you see that? I, I was not aware of that. Did, has never had a steak, not a burger guy. Big chicken tendies guy, chicken tendies and fries. Wow. So I'm very pro Sam Howell after this broadcast. Um, Sam Howell. Are you, he, not, he, are you not a steak guy? No, nah, just I'm a, I'm a huge chicken fingers and... Uh, fries guy so what do you where'd you go to is it zaxby's oh it's everywhere like i don't care chick-fil-a no chick-fil-a i've never gotten chicken fingers um zaxby's chicken fingers are obviously awesome um the best one i've ever had you know you're really putting me on the spot a lot tonight matt i (laughs) i gotta think about that i don't know i don't i want to i don't want to shout out the wrong place because i've had chicken fingers from so many different places that like the best i'd have to think about that for a second because there are a lot of places that do it really well I don't want you to think too hard now. <laughs> you know what? But Actually, I, I know what the answer is. Um, it's Neighbors Bar and Grill in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's very random, but like they are insane. And I don't know if you've been to Neighbors um, or their ponds. My old stomping grounds in the Highlands. Like it, uh, Neighbors Chicken Tendies were one of my go-tos late at night. Um back in my Atlanta days. Like those are always fire. And uh, yeah, that, that is my answer. Neighbors. Good stuff. <clears throat> but yeah, back, getting back to this game, it was unfortunate that North Carolina didn't have either running backs in this one, just because 
I thought this was going to be a great matchup. But uh, shout out to North Gwinnett alum Josh Downs, big time performance, uh, four catches, ninety-one yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, the but all that matters. Like that's my whole thing. Is like all I, I have no takeaways. It's like North Carolina was running all over people, and those two were just insane this year. Williams and friends, and um, not having them changes how North Carolina plays and what they can do. So it sucks because we lost a better product because they all opted out, and rightfully so. So I don't know. It's it's a bummer. I saw something about um, Iowa State, Oregon here, strictly an off the field thing, which is Iowa State should be banned from wearing all black. Like, why do they have this, and why is it so consistent with them? It's like you're Iowa State. Why are they wearing all black all the time? Yes, I gotta, I gotta give props, Tom Fernelli. That's who uh, it was. Yeah, yeah, he he tweeted it. I give him props because I retweeted. I was like, yes, like someone else. Like <laughs> every week they rock these black and white, like. You know, I'm a stickler for the uniforms anyway, you know, but not everyone can rock a black jersey. Like, not everyone's got black in their color scheme, and not everyone can rock it. But Iowa State, you know, if you were rocking black and you had, like, some gold numbers, some burgundy numbers, some gold outline, you know, something in there that says you're Iowa State. Like, I feel like I'm watching the, what was it, the Miami Sharks? Is that the team uh, from any given Sunday? Like black and white, like what is this? I it it drives me crazy. I think it's like the fourth time they've worn them this year, and they wear them in like all the biggest games too. It's just ah, I hate it. Yeah, it's not good, not good. Um, Northwestern blows out Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss without Michael Penix beat the Indiana Hoosiers twenty six twenty. Kentucky survives NC State twenty three twenty one. Um, See, you seem to on... like really want to hype up the SEC getting these W's. So go right ahead. I was ahead, gonna Matt say Green. I don't. I'm not big on the whole like conference like records and bowl games and stuff. Like there's just so many variables in there. But when it's something like this and it's one of the better teams in another conference losing to like a bottom feeder in the SEC, I think it's worth noting. Like people just hating on the SEC and everything, how beaten so down. And I was one of the people who said the lower the bottom half of the SEC. It's just worse this year than it is in a lot of years. And Indiana, they were without Penix Jr., but to lose to, like like you said, the seventh or eighth best team in the SEC in Ole Miss, I feel like that's kind of substantial. And, and NC State was probably, what, the fourth, fifth best team in the, in the ACC this year? And to lose to Kentucky, I just feel like the, there weren't a lot of opt-outs in those games. I know Elijah Moore was an opt-out for Ole Miss, so – I don't know. I feel like that. I feel like that was something. And same with Tulsa and Mississippi State, which <laughs> made headlines for different reasons. But like Tulsa was a what six and one, seven and one team this year, and Mississippi State was pretty terrible. And for them to beat Tulsa, it just kind of well, Tulsa's the SEC best linebacker muscle. and first round pick was out for this game too. Is that right? Yes. So you know, there's opt outs all over. So I don't know. I thought those. Uh, I thought a few of those uh, results were interesting. Yeah, I, like uh, I'm not, I'm not just gonna like rag on the ACC because they went zero and six in this bowl game. Like that doesn't just mean they're great. Like the B- Big Twelve went five and zero. That doesn't just mean they're great, but it, uh, it is an interesting performance for sure. SEC six and two. My thank you for trying, uh, player of the the week, Sam Hartman of Wake Forest, who threw no less than thirty seven picks in the Wisconsin game. <laughs> Did you watch any of that? I did. It was hard. It was brutal. Like I didn't like watching it anymore. I didn't like watching Hartman just 
keep it going and over and it's just like he was late and it was just bad reads and i was like what is he doing like just a full-on implosion um i just wanted to know why can't they take one of these to the house yeah why could like what was that guy doing cutting back like you got a blocker just keep running straight it was so it was i felt like i thought i was watching a replay at one point i was like this didn't this play just happen but um but yeah it was a nice performance for the wisconsin defense last thing and we'll wrap up here mississippi state 28 tulsa 26 uh the the brawl we have to mention the brawl like what an all-time uh post-game brawl did you see who was it? I think it was a Mississippi State guy who like reared back with like a Herculean punch. Like it was, it was nasty. Like this was a pretty, pretty nasty. It was definitely nasty. But can I, we also um, just say, announcers who are just like, oh my god, I am so disgusted at what I'm seeing here. It's like, no, you're not. Like, what are we doing here? Like it, it, it this was insane. But also just being like, look away. Like it just the over can the top. We, can we change the announcer like protocol that like, look, your job is to call play by play. Yes. If this is, if this is what starts happening, you're a fight, you're a fight uh, commentator now. <laughs> you need to be, you need to be calling out punches. You see, you know, calling out people, stomping on people. Like it was wild. Like it, it felt like, People were getting jumped at times, like stomping on people on the ground. Like, and you saw the Mississippi State dudes in the locker room, like celebrating, like seeing their their fight on social media and stuff. And like, oh man, that one that one got out of hand. It uh, it was wild, but uh, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. Um, Matt, do you have anything else you would like to uh, to add as we wrap up here on uh, this? late Sunday night edition of the full ride um i got nothing else man uh it's been a great season we got a uh, we got one more game left it should be great we got a lot to build off um i think this has been fun i appreciate uh you doing this with me this year this has been great i think that really got something here especially heading into next year when it's going to be a hopefully fingers crossed normal season um we got a lot of recruiting stuff in the spring coaching changes um how transfers grad transfers all that kind of stuff we'll, we'll find stuff to talk about but um yeah this is uh for lack of a better word been a fun ride uh this season matt so i appreciate uh you making the time and uh i'm excited to, to for you to keep coming on here with me as we uh make the move yes sir sounds good man all right for that guy down there in tequila georgia matt green for myself up here in knoxville tennessee that is all i've got matt Thank you, as always, my good sir, and uh, we'll be back very soon. Sounds good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.